John Harrison at John Harrison on Instagram is a drummer at heart with the soul of an artist. The two creative paths complement each other in a beautiful way that makes his artwork pop. Even though his approach can be categorized as non-conventional for being so emotional, his way of explaining his process leaves a lot of room for us to listen and learn. Join us today as we talk about why artists are dangerous, how the absence of color makes the piece pop, what are the two different kinds of artists, and how art relates to music. Want to be part of the show? Then send in your questions or topics you'd like to see covered to our email at hello at etcherlab.com. If you send us an audio recording, we might include it in the episode. Hi, I'm Anya, and this is Make More Art, a podcast by Etcher, meant to inspire you to keep on creating. Now let's hear from our guest. John, let's start with the very beginning. When did you first realize that art was something you really wanted to do for a living? Oh, for a living. I thought you meant right at the beginning. When when did I want to do do art? Because I've drawn since I was about four or five years old. Yeah. Then Never let's stopped. go. Let's go there. When you were four or five, yeah. you were an art kid. Why? Do you remember oh, any stories? No, only about drawing on the on the wallpaper in the bedroom and that that didn't go down too well but you know what wallpaper's there to be replaced it's fine um yeah so i, I always drew I, I read comics voraciously and the, and the comics in the uk had um strip cartoon strips in them and it was the line drawing that i really really i, I was drawn to that those line drawings and you know here we are nearly 70 years later i'm i'm still doing line drawings and, and adding color so that's you know as i got older seven or eight i i, I got on to uh, like the superman you know the dc and the marvel stuff mm-hmm. really loved those um i just i just drew all the time so what, yeah what was it about drawing that made you come back for more i have no idea I just loved doing it. And I realized um, that I wasn't too bad. You know, I think if I'd drawn stuff and it didn't look um, reasonable, I think I may not have carried on, but, you know, it, 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 it was all right. So I really did just, just carry on and carry on. Did you have anyone that kept on encouraging you to keep on drawing or was that all you? It was mainly me. I mean, I, I think my parents, bless them, I think they um, they encouraged me to do it because it kept me out of mischief because I had three other siblings and, um, you know, one less to worry about because John's fine. He's drawing, he's in the kitchen, he's on the table drawing, so that's fine. Are you the youngest, the oldest? The oldest. Oh. Yeah. I see. How young are, I mean, how far apart are you and your brothers? Well, my brother sadly died. Um about 10 years ago now but between us there's two and a half years between me and my brother two and a half years between me and, and my eldest sister and then another seven or eight years between her and my younger sister okay and the younger sister now is more like a mother to everybody she Aww. you know she's 
she's taken command. But yeah, yeah, it, it, it's good having siblings. It is. I have I have two sisters. Oh, I'm the middle stuff. child. Yeah. Yeah. The oldest is like seven years older than I am, and the youngest is fourteen years younger. So. Wow. Big gap. Yeah. Yeah, huge gap. So we're. You were very drawn to art. Was anyone an artist or a creative person in your family? No, absolutely not. So tell us about the time that you decided that art was then the path you wanted to follow in a professional sense. Professional sense, it was. Yeah. It, we need to fast forward from the 1960s. You need to fast forward to about 2008 because mm-hmm. um, I had a, a varied career path. I um, I worked in retail. Then I was a professional musician for drummer. a long time in the seventies. A drummer, yeah, in the seventies. Yeah. You see, that was the other thing. Um, when I got to about nine or ten, I suddenly realised, as well as being able to draw, oh, do you know what? I can actually tap and make a rhythm. So they they kind of developed side by side. Um, so it, it was really good and. Before you ask the question, no, nobody else in the family was is musical in the slightest. Just me. So wow. I feel blessed. Okay, let's just pause the art for a bit and go to the musical part. So you love to draw. You realize you had this like affinity for music and rhythm. Yeah. How did you go down the musical path? How old were you? Um, well, I had a, a, a small drum when I was about eight or nine and that was it just mm-hmm. one drum pair of sticks uh and then when i was about 11 to 12 i got together with two or three friends and we formed a band this was in the 60s of course and and and, and the beatles were the thing and mm-hmm. it just fired us all up so um yeah thanks to john paul george and ringo but specifically in my case ringo um and and that was it we just played in in church halls and youth clubs and and then when I was around about where are we now 51 to 73 when I was about 22 23 um I got a bit more of an elaborate drum kit and I started to we started to play more seriously than just playing around in each other's living rooms and stuff um and I got the chance to go with a band who were full-time and I thought wow yeah let's do it at, the, at that time, I actually had um, I had a child. Um, Simon was born in 1970, so I was about 19 then. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we moved. We the band did a bit of work in England. Then we moved to Canada for four or five years. So we lived and worked there. That was a big yeah. And by the time we moved, I'd got another another son, Daniel, who. Um, who inherited my creative traits and inherited my musical traits as well. But they bypassed Simon, who's, who's hyper-intelligent. He's really clever lad, but not musical or artistic in any way. But he's a great photographer, so he's got, he's got the eye. Um, so I'm really proud of both of them. Um, yeah, and that was it. And then we had to come back to England when, in Canada, the, the immigration rules at that time Mm-hmm. meant that the band had to stay as a unit and one of the guys in the band got married to a Canadian girl and um, he broke up the band, came back to England and all the work that the 
the groups were doing had gone because it was the late seventies, and it was a um, it was a bad time. There was a miners' strike. It was a three-day working week, and stuff was really grim. Um, so I looked around for something to do, and I spotted a government retraining course that the government paid for, and it was in graphic design, and that was it. Bang! I was off. So I you took started to like, your art career through graphic design. Yeah, I've always I'd always drawn. I didn't draw when I was earning a, a living as a musician because it, it was a different different thing, and mm -hmm. I just never thought. I really wish I had because um, Charlie Watts, you know, the drummer from the Rolling Stones, mm -hmm. throughout his musical career, he was a trained graphic designer. He's kept a sketchbook and he's sketched every hotel room that he's ever been in. So he must have a pile of sketchbooks, and I'd love to I'd love to see that. Um, but sadly, I didn't. Um, I was just enjoying the music and the and everything that went with the the playing in the band thing. It was fantastic. Um, there are some real stories there I could tell you, but that's for another podcast, I'm afraid. Um, and yeah, so I, 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 when I was learning graphic design, it wasn't computer driven. Um, when you when you needed to rule something up, you used a, a, a technical pen and rulers and things. Mm -hmm. And that's where I really, really, I thought, hang on, I've remembered this. I didn't consciously say it out loud, but I thought, ah, yeah, inks, pen and ink. I, I, I like this. I remember this. And that was it. And so that, that developed. Now, I worked as a graphic designer till about, I had my own company in the 90s and, and the early 2000s. And then when the big crash happened in 2008, um, my design and print company had to fold. Well, I, I pulled the plug. Um, and then I'd, I'd kind of overlap with that. I'd started to go to our local art club. Wow. Um, and I thought, wow, this is fantastic. I had no idea these places existed. Groups of people meet. Um, and you've got this, you know, this shared passion and everybody's got, and it was fantastic. And it wasn't long. It wasn't that long till I was asked to do um, demonstrations to other art clubs and and, and that I never looked back then. So, um, yeah. And apart from the last year, you know, the pandemic, um, at its peak, I was doing five or six demonstrations or workshops a month mm -hmm. to art clubs and venues. It, it, it was fantastic. But the very first time I had to stand in front of Uh, it was in a church hall. It was freezing cold in January in front of an art club. There were 38 people there. The organizer introduced me, and then there was a tiny gap where it was silent. And I suddenly thought, wow, until I say something, nothing else is going to happen. And it was a big gulp moment then. But, you know, it, within 10 minutes, I was off, and it was fantastic. And, and that was it. The pandemic started. You kind of had to rethink how it you were stopped. doing everything. Yeah, um, I will say for the first six months, I don't think any much happened. I just, you just kind of drew breath and you, we did, none of us knew what was going to happen, did we? Yeah. So we just kind of lived from day to day. Um, yeah, so there we are. And, and now there's this wonderful world of Zoom and connectivity and all this stuff. And it's, um, it's marvelous, it really is. And here we are. And here we are. And that's how we got to meet you. And now you're doing a demo. 
at the day of this recording, you're doing a demo this Thursday for Etcher. But if you're listening to the podcast, the date came out, the demo has already passed, but the workshop is still up for sale. All links, uh, all links for that in the post associated with this episode at etcherlab.com forward slash Harrison. Um, and yeah, before we move forward, can you just um, tell us a little bit about what it is that you're doing in this demo and the workshop? Well, one of the things that really fired me up about um, coming back to art, if you like, and, and mm. realizing I could do something with it, I discovered the urban sketching movement. And I've always, I've always really liked looking at the workings and the roofs and the, you know, the construction lines in anything. The finished thing is fine, but I think to me, a lot of finished artwork can look a bit too polished and a bit too professional. And I like to see all the, or, you know, the, the journey to get to that finished thing. Mm -hmm. So um, working in sketchbooks, like I still do every single day of the week, I, I, I do some, I do drawings in sketchbooks and they all start as a line drawing. I've got one here. They all start as a line drawing in ink. Mm -hmm. um, there you go. There's one I've not added colour to yet. That's mm -hmm. taken some while some time to draw um and the urban sketches movement i really looked into it and i really got on board because i thought wow and and again you're out with a group of people and you're all sit and draw and it was a social thing where you shared and you looked and you sort of thought well i never thought of doing it that way or try this and you picked up hints and tips it was fantastic and that's how it's that's how it's developed you're Sorry, doing... What was the original? What, what was your question? <laughs> no, I, I love it. I love all of it. Um, just a quick note, if you're listening to the audio only version of this podcast, feel free to hop into our YouTube channel to see the drawings that John is showing us right now. Um, my question was about what you will be doing in the demo. Ah, in the <laughs> demo, a lot of people at our club seem to really latch on to my technique of doing it a good line drawing and then not fully not adding color everywhere similar to that yeah where colors featured and it draws your eye to the to the part yeah. i want you to look at yeah you pick so one place to add color instead of adding color everywhere everywhere because there are there are many 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 far more accomplished watercolorists than i am Mm -hmm. that can do fantastic watercolour paintings, and I can't do that. What I can do is to do a drawing and then kind of pick a, pick an area. And when I say this at uh, a demonstration, people go gasp and think, because I realise that not everybody at the, at the meeting or the venue or the workshop is comfortable with working really fast. A lot of people want like to take time, and that's fine. Um, but I work fast. I think if I spend more than, oh, I don't know, on a full drawing, if I spend more than 30 minutes on it, it starts to be overworked. And what I like is the, is the, the immediacy. I like the speed and the, and the liveliness. So in, in the demo, I'll be doing a, um, a demonstration of a, uh, it's a landscape. Um, and it's a fabulous landscape, a lovely winter scene. But when I've, when I've drawn that and added colour to it, there's nowhere near as much colour on there and it really focuses your eye. Uh, so that's what I'll be doing. A quick, uh, a quick line drawing. Um, mm -hmm. And the other thing I never do is never to use pencil as an underdrawing. I always go straight in with a pen. 
yeah. which can be scary, but it produces some really nice, honest, lively results. Exactly the question I had for you. So uh, before I dive into that, if you want to watch uh, John's uh, John's live demo at the day of of this recording, it's still happening. But if you're listening to this episode now, it just happened this past Friday. Uh, the recording is up on YouTube. You can watch it, but you're still on time to sign up for John's mini workshop. Uh, so do that. Links, all, all the links will be on the blog post associated with this episode. Now, John, can you, because I can relate a lot to your process of work. I yeah, also yeah. love to draw super loosely. I try not to use any uh, pencil before because I just, it ends up losing the energy for me. So I just go and dive with ink. Um, and I also, every time I try to put colors everywhere, I mess it up. Um, so I'm much better yeah. at picking a place to add color. So can you talk a little bit about how do you do it? What do you have in mind when you well, start just inking from scratch? Because it's, yeah, it is scary. So how? Yeah, it, it is. But I, I generally, rather than using color on the building, I just framed it with the sky and some greenery. Mm. Um, but when I start the drawing, I, I always look for a strong vertical somewhere or, or a good a good strong line, either a vertical. Yeah, it generally is a vertical, and it's usually something in the centre um, because too often, I think, if you start with at, at the extreme left-hand edge, if you're right-handed, which I am, um, you can eventually run out of space. But in the middle... If you start in the centre somewhere or off centre, you can spread equally both ways. And if you run out of paper space, that's fine. So you pick your focal point before you start and make sure it stays more or less in the centre of the page. Is that it? Not in the centre of the page. No, off to one side because okay. dead centre is a is a big it's a big cliche. Yep. But I, I, I try. You know, I have I've done it. It's up to the top right or down there. Um, and at a workshop or a demonstration where, where there's an audience, um, we work from photographs, obviously, because mm -hmm. we, un unless it's a, uh, an outside one where we can all go out with sketchbooks, that's fine. But from photographs and the reference photographs that I supply and use, I've done most of the composition in the photograph. You know, I move around until I'm happy. And that, that's where I never use a camera, I use a phone. And the, the cameras on these phones today are just unbelievable. And you can use cropping tools and you can, you know, you can move the, the focus everywhere. And you make sure, yeah, I like that. So it works in the reference photograph. Um, so in that sense, half the compositional work is done. Um, but then I'll start somewhere with, with the vertical and then work outwards and backwards. Mm -hmm. And half the time, I don't know when I'm doing the drawing, which area I'm uh, I'll choose to highlight. I'll wait and see um, when the drawing's finished. I'll mm -hmm. wait and see, right, would that look good or would it, would it look there? Sometimes mm -hmm. it's planned, like for a, a demonstration or a workshop. You, you need to plan some stuff. The other method I use is to, I love, I love to do these panoramic mm -hmm. spread. drawings where... If it's something like this, a landscape where there are buildings in the landscape, a 99.9% .9 of my work features buildings because uh -huh. that's where the, that's my comfort zone. Uh -huh. Probably the, the graphic designer, I like square, like objects and squares. Um, 
So in here, one of the techniques that I use and, and I say is that all the man-made things like the buildings and the walls, they're all left as line work and the colours left in the landscape. Mm -hmm. You can do it the other way around where you can put colour in the, where you can just add colour in a dry stone wall, but leave everything else around it. Something I really so love about the way you add color is that mm. you don't use a lot of different colors. You try to keep it at you as a minimal palette as possible. Absolutely. Why? I have no idea, but it's, it's funny. I was, I, I was just packing up some paintings that I sold over the weekend, and I had lots and lots of demonstration pieces spread out on the floor to look at them mm -hmm. and it struck me that they're all a very similar palette and I think it's mainly because where I live in Yorkshire in the north of England the Yorkshire Dales but they are all those natural colours the, these lovely greens and, and the golds and the russets and then that building has got no colour on it whatsoever mm -hmm. so you know the cut there's lots of greens blues uh, golds natural colours I think, you know, if you've got if you've got 18 or 20 colours to choose from, it's much more difficult. If you restrict yourself to five, six, seven, much easier to do. Plus, you can mix and get some fantastic results from these accidents when colours run together. Yeah. That's the other thing I love about watercolour, those happy accidents. Fabulous. Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth in what you just said in the sense that Art can become very overwhelming to someone starting out because it is so broad and there are so many possibilities. It's exactly yeah. the same as when we go to a restaurant, when we could go to restaurants and we, you know, the restaurants that have a huge menu with a Absolutely. lot of dishes and we're hungry and we're trying to pick up something to eat and the menu never ends and we just end up being super overwhelmed and we just end up picking something just like okay probably this is good and then I don't know about you but I'm second guessing my choice throughout the whole dinner because yeah. I didn't even get a good look at the whole menu because it was so big but if you go to a menu to a place where the menu has like five dishes it's so easy to make a choice much easier yeah that's a good analogy, actually, with, with, with food and art. Um, yeah, choices. Yeah, that's good. I'll remember that one. Yeah, I, I somehow I always end up making analogies with food, John. I am a hopeless. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. The more rules we put in ourselves when trying to make art, the less overwhelmed we get because we can only use A, B, and C, meaning there's no room for other stuff at the moment i'll just do something with this one pen and these two colors yep. and what comes out of it comes out of it and you just dive in hopefully it helps to just start it does but it, it, the only thing the, the one other thing um people at workshops and demos say am i allowed to do this or am i allowed to do that and i stop them in the tracks and say look there are no as far as I'm concerned, there are no rules. So if you want to use lime green and a bright orange and some magenta, you go ahead and do it. That It's your painting. It's your artwork. You don't have to do. I'm just showing you the way I do it. And hopefully you get something from it and it spark your interest enough to have a go. No rules in art. And the minute, oh, yeah, we had this chap came and said, you're not allowed to and you can't do that. I'm thinking, well, I would say, 
but you can and you are allowed to do whatever you want to do. And this is what I love about um, demos and workshops, especially workshops, live ones, that if you've got 20 people at the workshop, you get 20 different views and versions. And it's incredible. I, I, do, I just absolutely, and that's the one thing I've missed about, about not doing in person. Zoom is fine. It's great. Um, it's different. But you, it's that human interaction and being able to look. I've, I've picked up some tips. And you know what? They're often the oldest people there who've been doing it for a long time. And you think, wow. I remember one chap was 92 and he was drawing and had a lovely, lovely shaky, shaky line with his hand. See, that's the other thing I, I, I like. Never use a ruler. I've got rulers uh, just for measuring, but I never use rulers to draw lines on the, on the, uh, you know, in the image I'm drawing. Never. Um, so I, look, I actually actively look for a shaky line or a line with character which is, again, is why I use the paper that I use. It's a rough finish. It's not smooth. So if you hold the pen the way I do, which is fairly lightly, you get skips in the line, and it looks it instantly gives you character. And this chap was, he said, look, I've got a shaky hand. I said, yeah, but that drawing is fantastic. I wish I could do. And when you, when you force yourself to do that shake, it doesn't look right. No, yeah. no. It's like someone so, yeah. being sincere with their communication strategy, with the way they, they talk. And yeah. someone being honest, you can sniff it miles away because honesty oh. in, in someone is so easy to feel. And what you're saying, it looks to me that it's exactly the same with art making. If you're making it the way you make it, it's yeah. you who are in the page and not someone you're pretending to be, which is why sometimes it saddens me a bit when I see someone trying to learn to paint exactly the same way set teacher is painting. It's good for yeah. practice to understand how they use it, but to make your own pieces, just take away what is relevant to you and then make it yours. Just like you were saying, the shaky lines. I, I wish I had that in front of me now. That looks beautiful. I've got, I've got a book by Nick, and I can never pronounce his name. Um, it's spelled P-T-E-L-O-M-N-Y, Ptolemy Dean, and he's an architectural illustrator, and there isn't a straight line in this book. It's a really big book. It's out of print now, mm -hmm. but it's just wonderful, and I look at them. I, I just sit turning the pages and marveling and, and inspiring, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, they say the eyes is the window to someone's soul, but I think the art is the door or something. It, it is, yeah, absolutely, the art. And, you know, the biggest the biggest compliment, and it kind of clicked, I thought, well, actually, I, I'm doing right, was when somebody said to me, commented, I posted something online on Instagram, I think, in, in the early days before I knew what I was doing, and somebody said, yeah, that was instantly recognisable. I knew it was yours. And I thought, Oh wow! Do you mean I have a style then? And actually, you do, and everybody does. It's like your handwriting. Yeah. You know, if you if you force yourself into calligraphy, that's fine. Just write the way you do. Um, in fact, you know, my my branding, my logo is 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 my handwriting because it's the most personal thing that you've got. You know, rather than I, oh, I could show you all the logos I've designed for myself because I can and I love doing it, but it comes back to the the personal thing yeah so yeah Beautiful. so yeah you're right what you said uh, it's great to copy and practice um but that practice should only be a springboard to let you find well 
I actually didn't like doing that, but I like this bit. And then you take those bits. Who was it said that good artists copy, but great artists steal? Mm. I think it was David Hockney. No, it wasn't. It was Francis Bacon. It was one of them anyway. But yeah, there you go. Wow. I have something I'd like to hear your thoughts on. I was once told or heard somewhere that there are two kinds of artists. Drawers and painters, in a way, in the sense that some people think in line and some people think in shapes. So, for example, for me, every time I do something, I think in lines. I need to grab a pen and I need to draw it and then I put some color on it. And to other people, they see the shapes, they see the colors, they put brush on paper, on canvas, and then maybe they do some touches with pens, pencils, whatever it is that they do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what are your thoughts about this? Well, you're absolutely right. For me, it always starts with a line, always. I mean, I've I've done experiments where I've done a watercolour wash first Mm -hmm. and added the line, but you kind of, then the line feels constricted that you're working around the shapes. And it works, but it's not me. Um, always, I always look for lines everywhere. Um, I would love to, uh, there's a, uh, a program goes out in England called the Landscape Artist of the Year. They have two, actually. There's one that's the Portrait Artist of the Year mm-hmm. and the other one's Landscape Artist of the Year. And they have um, five or six artists that featured and they paint. Um, and they seem to favour painters. There's there's a big debate growing amongst me and my cronies in the in the sketching world. You know, we've got a little circle about who's going to win, and it's never anybody that uses line. It's always a, a pure painter. Now, I would love to be able. I love watching somebody painting a portrait in oils under it. You know, that marks there, marks there, and you stand back, and suddenly, wallop, a face emerges. It's just incredible. I can't do that like you it's always got to start with a line so that's your answer for me for me yeah it does make sense to me and it i don't know it just something very liberating just to hear you say oh yeah i did try to put some shapes and then put a line on it it didn't feel quite right i'm like it wasn't just me i tried it too and i oh it felt so wrong okay good i don't feel alone anymore yeah what is a relationship between music and art for you? Oh, great. Um, well, the relationship, it's very, very, very similar. In music, when you play music, and certainly my background, I was never formally taught music. I just learned by listening. And I'm very lucky that I've got an ear and I could pick up and I listened voraciously. Um, and some of the best bands I've been in, we've you've wandered off, improvisation happens, and that's where the magic happens. It's not planned. It's just spur of the moment, and you go off, you play this bit, and the other guys respond to it, and you're off on a different path. Well, that's what I like about art. You know, I, I can be drawing away, and suddenly my mind says, try this, and you're off. And that's where the magic, and, and especially with watercolour, you improvise with with mixing colour or just letting watercolour do its own thing. Try Never try and force it. And it improvises on the page, and that's what happens. So, yeah, there is a, for me, that's the parallel. 
Improvisation. A weird question. I was looking at your Instagram bio and I love your description. Um, I'm, I'm about to read it. It says, beware of artists. They mix with all classes of society and are therefore most dangerous. What do you mean by this? It's not me. That was a quotation by, um, oh, I've forgotten his name now. No, it was an American politician called Senator McCarthy in the 30s. Uh -huh. And he said that, and it was an actual, I found it on the internet, and I loved it instantly. So at the start of a, a demo, I've got a, a, that quote projected onto the screen while, you know, like a holding screen mm -hmm. while people are waiting. And it, it, it just, it, it provokes discussion as well. You know, people say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's good. And it just, it just caught me. I, I love it. Why? Tell me. Well, because there are, to me, there are no, anybody, you know, people, people can do art, whether or not you're um, a miner or somebody who's a warehouse. In fact, one of the, one of the chaps who won last year's, or the year before, Landscape Artist of the Year, was a, a truck driver and he was part-time. So anybody can do art and it's all valid, you know, that truck driver or somebody who's, uh, there was somebody in the landscape one, you could tell she'd come from a, a privileged background. The studio was just phenomenal. And and the way she spoke and her, and her parents were there. So, you know, it's a whole, anybody can do it. And I don't mind, I, I can, I'll talk to anybody about art. As long as they listen. Yeah. And you have a super rich and interesting story. Thank you for sharing like all the drumming and you worked on in retail and now you're full on art. It's just amazing how rich the stories of artists are because they all come from different backgrounds and have different stories. It's Absolutely. Not, yeah. It's not always the same. It's never the same. Question. Now, looking at your audience, I mean, this is a great segue into the, the wrap-up that I had planned for us. With yeah. your rich history and where you came from and everything we talked about, to anyone who wants to get started in art but does not know where to start, or to people who just started young, you know, recent artists and everything is too much, what nugget of wisdom would you like to share with us the, the oh cracky nuggets of wisdom um the only thing i would say and I, i've been asked this question before at, at um at demonstrations and meetings and things and the only thing i would say is that uh you need to get yourself one of these and one of those and one of those a pen a pencil and a pad it doesn't have to be a, a really Uh, luxurious pad it doesn't have can just be a sketch pad and draw something every single day and when you've drawn it if whether or not it's your breakfast cups or something in the garden or something outside or if you if you're commuting to work when I was working um, I had a, a sketchbook all the time because I had a train journey and commute I did some great sketch they had really wonky lines that weren't intentional because the train was a bit of a, a, a clatterer and put a date on every drawing Because then when you look back, like I've done this, I've looked at some really old sketchbooks from 2007 that I would, I would be ashamed to show everybody, but I keep them because I, I can see where I've come, you know, in this short space of time, the last 
15, 20 years. It's incredible. But if you don't keep a record, you'll still think in the moment, oh, this isn't very good. Look six months prior and look where you were and you will see a progression. But, you know, everybody's got time. Surely you can find five minutes to do it. It doesn't have to be super detailed. It doesn't have to be accurate. Just get used to drawing something on a piece of paper. That's it. Never mind the colour. That'll come later on. It's And I, I'm speaking from a background like you of needing lines rather than colour. So that's the nugget. Draw something and draw it every day. And that's the end. What did you think of today's episode? Any favorite part? Please let us know in the comment section of the post associated with this episode at etrelab.com forward slash Harrison. That's E-D-C-H-R-L-A-B dot com forward slash H-A-R-R-I-S-O-N. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, simply let us know in the comment section below. If you're enjoying the podcast, please help us keep the show alive. You can subscribe and give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts at etcherlab.com forward slash go forward slash Apple. Or if you're more of a YouTube viewer, please make sure to subscribe to our channel and ring the bell to get notified about our most recent videos. Sharing is caring and every little bit helps. Thank you so much and I'll see you next time. Until then, let's make more art.